Hey, I want to welcome everybody here today. I want to say welcome out to our Stone Canyon and Verdigris campuses and everybody online with us. Good to have you with us as well. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be at here in just a minute. If you've got your Bibles uh, open there, get them ready to go. Get on your device, Hebrews chapter 11. Hey, before we jump into that or into the message, let me just uh, uh, give you a little housekeeping things for uh, really our first church family. If you're a guest with us today, first-time guest, welcome. We're glad you're here. You get to see a little bit under the hood here for just a second. Uh, but number one, let me give you just a brief update on our senior minister search and where that's uh, going, how that's progressed. We, uh, uh, last time I think uh, we gave you an update, we said uh, we had a couple of candidates we were kind of narrowed down to, and now I can tell you we're down, narrowed down to one, and uh, we are in, uh, in that process with this one candidate. I can't tell you that he's going to be the guy. I can't even give you a timeline, but I can tell you or encourage you pray, all right? We are in a, a very uh, important part of uh, these conversations, and, uh, and I'll tell you this, we are all very excited, all right? Excited where God's leading this, and uh, we still trust and know God's going to lead us to the right guy at the right time, and uh, so uh, we're, we're looking forward to where this ends up. So anyway, be praying about that, and uh, that, that, to me, that's pretty exciting news uh, that God's brought us to where we are. Uh, second thing is this, and every once in a while, we gotta just need to give a, a little update on where we are financially. We're going through this time of, when, when a church, when an organization goes through a time of transition uh, like we've been in the last year, there's always this... Uh, you know, uh, there's all kinds of issues that come up, and and uh, but we want to give you an update on finances. Uh, here a while back, we kind of told you uh, that uh, uh, statistically, as a, as a church goes through a summer, our expenses go up in the summertime with all the ministry that happens, and our giving goes down in the summertime. Well, this summer has been no different. All right, so surprise, shocker, and so we are still in catch-up mode, and, uh, and so I want to let the church family know about that, uh, that you might continue to give. Uh, I will let you know this, as a staff, as a leadership, we've done necessary things to make sure that we are responsible with what God has given us uh, and provided with us. We've cut uh, some part-time positions. We've, we've reduced ministry expenses uh, by 10% across the board. We've, we've even uh, let go of a full-time staff position uh, in this time. So you need to know that we are striving to be as responsible as we can, but we also need to make sure everybody knows of the need and, and where we're at financially. If you want more details, obviously you can come to us. We're open book on that type of stuff. But, but here's my challenge there. Pray about senior minister search and give continue to give towards the ministry of what God's doing here at First Church, all right? Uh, if you've never taken that step in your faith to give, uh, and, and, or maybe you're working towards that 10%, we talk about a 10% tithe, and we see that in God's Word, uh, we encourage you, maybe this is a great time for you to really search what God's wanting you to do there. So anyway, uh, so pray and give. And you can pray about that part too, all right? <laughs> That'd be good. So there's a little update as where we are with church. Other than that, next week I'm going to give you uh, some, some good news, better news. That, that, well, there's some good news there. Well, we've got better news for you next week. I'm going to share some things that are happening that uh, I think are pretty awesome. So anyway, all right, so there we go, church. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, that's where we're going to be at today as we wrap up this series on grace. And uh, man, we've, I hope you've been here for all of it. If you missed any of them, obviously you can always go online. You can catch any of those sermons uh, and, and see where we have been. Uh, if you've got the church app, if you have not got the church app, get that as, as we communicate through that. And, uh, and you can go watch and listen to sermons on there. 
But we started off by talking about that grace is greater than our circumstances, that God's grace shows up in all of life's circumstances, no matter what kind of circumstance you find yourself in, good, bad, wherever. If we will open our eyes to what God is doing around us, we can find His grace at work. And, and so we talked about that week one, week two, we talked about His grace is greater than our mistakes or our sin, okay? And really for you to have a full understanding of, of grace, you really have a have to have a full understanding of sin, okay, that we all are fallen and broken and need grace, all right? There's nobody here that says, hey, you know what, I, I'm good, I don't need it. No, we're, we're all broken. None of us, we've been saying this all year, none of us are perfect. That's why anyone's welcome here, because none of us are perfect, and anything is possible through God, all right? And so we talked about that week too. And then, then we talked about the, that uh, His grace is greater than our, uh, our, our weakness, all right? That His grace, we find ourselves in places where we feel inadequate. We don't measure up. His grace is there. And He says, you know what? I'm still going to use you in spite of the weaknesses that you feel, okay? And, and so this week, we're going to end up by talking about grace is greater than our despair. Our despair. <sighs> yeah, that's kind of a heavy word, isn't it? Just, just the word despair kind of, kind of rests heavy. Have you ever, would you look at your life and think of a time, maybe you're even in it, would you, do you have a time where you could describe yourself as being in despair? Maybe we need to define that word, all right? Let's, let's put a definition to it. Despair is the complete loss or absence of hope. The complete loss or absence of hope. Have you ever been at a place where you felt hopeless? Uh, this uh, last Friday, I had the opportunity to go watch my uh, nephew go play uh, football, and uh, it was fun to get to watch him play. I haven't got to watch him. My, boy, my son's always playing, and we had a bye week, so we got to go watch him play. And uh, it was small-town football, you know, it was, it was fun. You know, my son, Jaden, he's like, oh, this is weird. This is different. <laughs> you know, we, we have like junior college stadium here in Owasso, and, and you know, we, we had to stand up to see over the players in front of us. And, uh, and, and uh, unfortunately, Josiah, my nephew, his team, uh, they lost rather badly. <laughs> it was, uh, I think, 54 to 10 at the end, you know, it was like, it was hopeless, I mean, it was, but it was fun to watch Josiah, you did an awesome job, buddy, if you're watching this, uh, but uh, maybe you've been there, you, know, you felt those, that, that sting of hopelessness. Over the last several weeks, we've uh, been watching images come over our screens of the hurricanes, and, and there have been times, there have been images, there have been interviews where people have even made those words, it just kind of seems hopeless or in despair, and you look at the eyes of some of those people, and, and it, they seem to be crying out despair, and, and with questions like, are we going to survive this? Is anybody going to come and save us? Can we rebuild from this? Can our, will, will our community ever get to where it was before the flood? And, and you see those images, and it leads some to, to feel like those who are in the middle of that and going through the rebuilding, and not just in America, but the, so many of those Caribbean islands who do not have the resources like we have here, I, I imagine there's some of them that feel in despair, 
hopeless as they look around at the destruction that's been caused by hurricanes. But, but over the last several weeks, it hasn't just been hurricanes, right? I mean, there's other things that have been happening around uh, this nation and around this world that, that have left people in despair. You had the hurricanes that were, were incredibly powerful and destructive, but then you also had fires out west and up north, and, and you have this national upheaval of, of this racial division that's happening right now, it seems, that, that keeps on flaring up, and, and so much political division. And, and then on top of that, you throw a little North Korean nuclear you know, action going on. It's like, what is going on? And, and it leaves some people watching all of this, watching the landscape of this world in despair, feeling hopeless. What's, what's this world coming to? Some even proposing that well, the end is coming, the, that may, maybe Jesus is coming back. Well, maybe He is. Are you ready? So some have been posing that question. Matter of fact, got a little book in the mail this week that maybe you got it if you were around here. I noticed it went to, seemed like it went to everybody, and it was kind of posing that question. Maybe he's coming back. It's not a maybe. He is. We just don't know when. But nevertheless, you watch all the things that are happening, and it's leaving people in a state of despair. Maybe your despair is not a, not a hurricane or a fire or threats of war but maybe it's been a storm in your life and you, you've been through those times of despair when the marriage was a struggle and it was a battle and it was, it was tough. The addiction that you had, just you, couldn't, you can't break it. Or maybe it's a financial challenge you just can't seem to overcome. That job just will not materialize that you need. Maybe it's a health issue and the doctor's report offers very little hope and you walk out of that office in despair. Have you been there? When we find ourselves in despair, um, we begin to figure out where, where are we going to look? Where are we going to look for hope? Where are we going to find that hope? Despair is probably most prevalent when death seems most imminent. That's probably where it shows up the most. Despair is probably most prevalent whenever death seems most imminent. Matter of fact, there's a, there's a website. I was listening to a preacher this week, and he shared about a website. I went and checked it out. It's called deathclock.com. Go check it out, all right? You can go in. You can put in your information. It'll tell you the date that you are going to expire, as they call it, all right? You're going to die. Um, I, I, I went and put in my information. I, I'm, uh, I'm due to leave this earth Thursday, June 14th, 2046, all right? So I've got about 30 years left, all right? So I'm uh, excited about that. Um, the preacher who was sharing the story, uh, he uh, shared it with his church, and he said uh, he challenged his church to go check it out, and uh, one of the ladies in his church, she was 87 years old, went in and put her information, and it came up and told her she was already expired. <laughs> She'd already died. So, well, I hope that happens. I hope it doesn't happen to you, but anyway, um, go check that out. Death, you know, we... we uh, sometimes we think we want to know when, when that day is going to come. Other times, like, hey, you know, surprise me. <laughs> Irma Bombeck, uh, some of you know who she was. She's a humorist, columnist, uh, housewife, wrote uh, in hundreds of newspapers across the uh, 
nation back in the 60s, through the 60s and the 90s, to the 90s. She said this one time about death. She says, my life is dominated by dirt. At this end of the house, there's dirt, dirt in the bathroom, dirt on the plates, dirt on the rug. And so I work to get rid of the dirt. And by the time I get to the other end of the house, the first part of the house is dirty again. It never ends. And in the final end, all these years struggling against dirt, what do I get? Six feet of dirt. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good. We can look at death, and many in the, in the world today, they look at death, and there is a hopelessness. There is a despair when they look at the reality that one day we're going to die. One out of one people die. All right, that's still the statistics as far as I know. And those without Jesus, those without hope beyond this life, can find themselves in despair. I think maybe that's why we like superheroes so much. You know, you watch the superheroes, you read their stories, and they seem to be able to defy death. They, they, you know, you look at the Incredible Hulk and some of these, I mean, nothing stops them. You know, if that could just be us. Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of heroes. The writer of Hebrews seems to be wanting to show us some of the people, Abraham, uh, Sarah, Abel, Isaac, Jacob, others, uh, who he just talks about their faith, and, and they, they are at hero status when it comes to faith. And it's not because they won't die, don't die, it's how they die. So let's look at this text. Let's, we'll, we'll skip past the stories. I encourage you to read the stories from uh, verses 1 to 12, but let's start in verse 13 as he kind of sums up their lives. Verse 13 says this, These all died in faith. All right, I just I want to stop right there. These all died in faith. All these heroes, uh, again, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Abel, others he talks about in there, he said, that's how he describes them. These all died in faith. The NIV translation, if you have that, puts it this way. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They died still believing what God had promised them. They, they, he's not saying they're, they're perfect or anything, but what they were was faithful. They were holding on to God's promises. His promises that he had laid out to them, that they would be a, a nation, that, that they would be this, this people, and that there would be this land that would be theirs, and there would one day be this king, this one who would come and, and establish his kingdom. I mean, these were the promises, and those promises for those who he lists here in chapter 11 had not happened yet, but they still died believing in those promises. Look again at verse 13, there it goes, these all died in the faith, not having received the things promised. You see, those things hadn't happened yet, and yet they still held on to those promises. They could have, they could have died in despair and hopeless and said, but God, what about the promises? What about the nation? What about all the people? We're just a family out in the middle of a desert. I mean, where, where's these promises? Where's this king? Where is it? You ever had questions like that? 
God, what about this abundant life? I mean, Jesus said that he's going to come and, and uh, uh, bring a, you know, abundant life. Where's this abundant life, God? Uh, God, where, where, you know, hey, your word says that, you know, train up a child in the way as you go and he won't depart from it. Well, have you seen my kid? I mean, come on. God, where is that? What about that promise? What about the promise that you'll work all things to the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purposes? What about that promise, God? Because my life, have you seen my life? Have you seen the circumstances that I'm living in right now? They're not so good. That's a verse, matter of fact, Romans 8, 28, uh, that just quoted there. That's a verse that people wrestle with. I mean, listen to it again. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There's a lot of times in life where sometimes we, we, don't, we don't characterize it as good, and, and we want to look up at God and say, well, God, where's the good? Where's the good in this circumstance? Kyle Eidelman in his book, Grace is Greater, that we base this off of, he Let me paraphrase just one little paragraph that he said about this. He says this, uh, One reason we struggle to believe that God's grace is at work in our lives is because of our definition of good. Good to us is a cancer-free report, a front parking spot, or getting your meal free at Chick-fil-A when you're the 100th customer. (laughs) You ever done that? I got that a while back. That's pretty awesome. We think those things are good. We tend to think that if God is working for our good, then our life should be good according to our standard of good. But when something not so good happens, it seems like God is not keeping his promise See, the, he, the, the heroes in Hebrews chapter 11, they had faith in God, and they trusted in His goodness. But how did they do that? How did they hold on to those promises? How did they hold on to His goodness? Well, let's explore this just a little bit through the rest of this text, okay? And the, and the first thing I think we see is this, is they, they looked ahead at what's to come. They looked ahead at what was to come. Again, let's go back to verse 13 as we uh, look into this. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. And here's the next part. But having seen them and greeted them from afar. I I like that that phrase, seeing them and greeted them from afar. They, they, saw, they saw the promises in the distance. They could see it materializing. And, and literally it says in there, they embraced them. They greeted them from afar. They're embracing those promises as they take them into their lives and trust that God is good and he is faithful and he would see them through. Even though they were seeing and recognizing that these promises that were laid before them would not take place in their own lifetime. They trusted the promises would come true and that God would bless and their own people would one day be the recipients of those promises. Have you ever planted a shade tree? I've got a tree in our backyard. It's about this high. Uh, by the time I get to uh, Thursday, January 14th, 2046, it, it, it's not going to be much of a shade tree, I don't think. <laughs> you know. But for the next generation, it's going to be a shade tree. A lot of times that's what happens when we plant a shade tree. There's a promise of one day that tree will be, provide the shade, the coolness that we want, but may not be in our lifetime. Same as what these heroes seem to understand. The promises of God 
weren't necessarily going to be intended for them, but would be intended for their people down the line. Look at verse 14 following. It goes on. For people who speak thus, people like these heroes, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. See, people like these heroes, they're, they're looking ahead. They had an opportunity. They could look back. Abraham could look back at his homeland and say, you know what, I, I know what this land's like. I'm going to go back. But he doesn't. Part of these heroes is they keep looking ahead at what is to come. They knew that the promises that God had spoken of would one day happen. We go to the New Testament, there's several times I think we can kind of see this at, in play. There's one point where, where the disciples uh, uh, over in John 14, 13, 14, Jesus has just laid out to them that he's going to be betrayed and he's soon going to die and, and they are in distress or despair. And, and so he wants to encourage them. And there in verses 1 through 3 of John 14, it says this, uh, Jesus talking to his disciples to encourage them, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. What's he doing? He's saying, look ahead. Don't get so wrapped up in the right now and what I just told you about. There's something so much better. Just look ahead. Same thing happens over in, in John's letter in Revelation where he shares the vision that he has and he's writing to a people, believers who, who are under extreme persecution. And the, and the letter of Revelation is just this, we like to get it really confusing, but really what he's trying to do is encourage them. And, and you come to Revelation 21, what, verses 1 through 4, and his encouragement, he says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her, for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He's trying to encourage them by talking about this new city, this heaven where God's going to be. And one of the ways he describes it is by saying what's not going to be there. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. So many of those things that bring us despair in this world, they're not there. And so, in this vision, John is encouraging those, look ahead. Just keep looking ahead. Hold on, because heaven is coming. And so, these heroes in Hebrews 11, they were looking forward to a Messiah. And then He came, Jesus came, and now we here, we continue to look forward to His coming back again and heaven being established. And so we look ahead. God in His grace gives us a future hope to look forward to. But at the same time, they, these heroes, they recognized their current reality. While they're looking ahead at what's to come, at the same time they recognize where they are currently in this fallen, 
sinful world. Go back up to verse 13. We didn't quite finish that verse. These all died in the faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Here it is. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They had, they had acknowledged like that. They acknowledged it. They understood that this place, this fallen, sinful, dark world, this isn't home. See, when we begin to make this our home and, then, and, and get comfortable here, and then when things begin to fall apart and it doesn't seem right, that's when we begin to lose hope because we put all of our hope in this world. This world's not our home. We need to, we need to acknowledge that. Look at verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country. I like that. A better country. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. There's something better to come. This, oh, this is good. I mean, what, what God has blessed us with, those of us who are here in, in the United States where we have this freedom, and sometimes we take it for granted, we don't understand just how good we have it, and it but what we have is, it's good, but there's something so much better. They long for a better country, and so should we. My, my shelves are filled with books. I... If you came to my office, you'd think, man, Matt is a scholar. Well, I'm not ashamed to tell you, I would say the majority of those books, uh, I may have gotten halfway through. <laughs> and I either lost interest or was on to the next thing, you know, and um, some of them I just got for free and they just look good on my shelf, all right? I'll just be honest with you, all right? But there's a lot of unfinished books. Never finished the story, never finished the thought that the author was trying to get across. There's a lot of us that are in circumstances that we need to realize that we are not at the end of the story. We're just halfway through, maybe just a quarter, maybe three quarters, but we're not at the end. I think maybe that's what these heroes understood, that whatever circumstances they went through, Abraham and Sarah, you think about some of the things they went through, the despair that they found themselves in at times, but they recognized it wasn't the end of the story. There was still something more to come. They could acknowledge where they were, what their current circumstance was, was not the end and so maybe, maybe today, if you're saying, oh yeah, I'm in this place, it's not good, it's, I'm in despair right now, I'm hopeless right now because of whatever it is right now, guess what? It's not the end. God's still writing the story. You're just, you're just somewhere within the pages of the book. Acknowledge that and trust and allow God to continue to write the story of your life all the way to the end when it gets a whole lot better, <laughs> okay? 
Because God intends for us to know that there is something better out there and that your hurt, your heartache, your financial crisis, your marriage struggle, your addiction, whatever it is that right now is rendering you hopeless, it's not the end. There's something so much better. God, in His grace, helps us to see that this isn't all there is. There's something better. I'll just... I grew up in Owasso, uh, grew up in a uh, Christian home with loving parents. I was the oldest of uh, four kids. I didn't grow up around any drugs or alcohol. Um, really didn't have any issues with alcohol until um, after uh, I got married and then we had a kid. And I would go in and I would spend a lot of time um, playing video games and drinking. And then it just, that's probably kind of when the addiction started. And then I did the typical use any excuse I could to drink more. A good day, good day to drink. A bad day, well, I need to drink. You know, something good happened, you use that as an excuse. And I think it was kind of my, like, um, how to cope with stress or with life. One of the big things for me was uh, I thought I deserved this. I thought I deserved to be able to come home and relax and chill and party and that was I thought I, I you know I thought I did enough in life that I, I could do that it was three years ago I got arrested for a DUI it's on the way home uh, I spent the night in jail I started thinking okay what am I doing I was ready to make the change that God have been telling me that I needed to do. And I realized that I was being selfish. I was being very selfish. It was not fair with everyone around me. Everything I did evolved around me and how I felt. And that my daughter every day was seeing me drink, seeing me push her away. And I wanted a better life for my wife and my daughter. So that's why I made the change. That's why I made the decision to give it up. I'm thankful for God's grace every day that I was able to still have everything that I have. I almost lost my family. I almost lost the ability to see my daughter every morning. I'm just very happy to be able to come out of this addiction and um, for it to not rule my life anymore. I want to be able to show people through the way I live that, um, that God really is the one that got me through this. That's the only way. Just most thankful for um, God's grace every day just to show me that He forgives me, that I can move on and be a better dad. And then I got my life together in time to um, make good memories with my family, good memories with my daughter.
you know, there was a time where I was definitely in a valley, and uh, God gave me grace to see that that He could help me get through this. And since I've um, been overcome my addiction, God has just poured blessings on just, just all, I mean, tons. It's just been awesome to see how many things happen. And when I think things can't get better, they do. Joel and uh, his wife Rachel and little girl Jane, they are a precious family. And it has been so fun just over the last couple years to watch, watch them go through this journey. Joel came to a place where he realized his story was not done, that God had something so much better in store for him. And, and I love how he ended that, that video and how he said that. Now he's discovering it more and more how, how the life that he has in, in Christ is so much better. What he has now is so much better than what he had before. Listen, you're not at the end of your story. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, wherever, wherever you find yourself, uh, however you find yourself hopeless, it's not the end. We have heroes in the faith that we can look back at and we can say, they did it. They held on to the promises all the way to the end because they knew that there was something better. And we too have those same promises to hold on to. There are things that happen in life we, we can't understand. Things that happen that hurt, hurt us, hurt others that we love, and, and we don't understand. And we ask why. God, why? But really what it comes down to is we're not going to understand everything. We just need to keep trusting that God, God is not done writing the story. Kyle Adelman in his book, he, he says this, and instead of asking what is the reason, we should ask what is the purpose? Because I don't know if there is always a reason, but I know God in His grace always has a purpose. When it comes down to the end, it's not about why, but it is about How? How are we going to respond to whatever it is that comes into our life, whatever circumstance that we find ourselves in, whatever circumstance we face, whatever hurt we face, struggle we face, how are we going to respond to that? What if we, what if we spent more time pondering the wonders of heaven? And the better country that is to come, a homeland that is to come, what if we spent more time with our eyes on heaven and less focused in on the circumstances of this life that Satan continues to try to bring us down with? What if we might just be more joyful? We might just be more hope-filled just like God intends us to be. God uses our circumstances to bring us to something better. Listen, grace is greater than our despair. Let's hold on to that promise. Father in heaven, God, we are thankful for your grace. Your grace that we can see in so many ways in our life for 
the forgiveness that we have through your grace and, and the provision that we have from your grace and the hope that we have from your grace and the power that we have from your grace. God, it's, your grace is lavished upon us in so many ways and we're so thankful. We're so, so thankful that we can see your grace in every circumstance in our life. God, help us to open our eyes up to your grace. God, if there are those here today that would characterize their life as being in a moment of despair, that the circumstances they find themselves in just seem hopeless, God, may today they find hope. May they find hope in you. May they grab hold of you. May they grab hold of your cross and the grace that you displayed on that cross through the giving of your son. God, may today some find you and find the best life possible. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close up our time here today? You know, I don't don't know why God brought you here today, but I'll tell you this, I'm glad that he did. Glad that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, we're especially glad that you're here. But if God's speaking into your heart right now, and maybe he's wanting to encourage you, maybe he's wanting to convict you, maybe he's just wanting to move you further in your faith journey with him, and you know that there's something specific you need to talk to somebody about or somebody to pray with you about, maybe it's that specific circumstance, maybe, maybe it's something in the message or the worship, or maybe in Joel's story that just resonated in you and you know God's leading you to, hey, you need to take a next step, you need to talk to somebody. Uh, there's several of our guys are going to be down front here. I'm going to stick around front down here today. And, uh, man, we'd love for you to come down and, and share and, and let us pray over you, okay? Uh, for the rest, if, again, if this is your first time here, we're glad you're here. I want to encourage you, if this is your first time, uh, out to the hub. We have volunteers out there. Jared, one of our guys, will be out there. And I encourage you to stop by out there and let them, they've got information for you. And would love to shake your hand, answer any questions you have about the church. So we hope you've been blessed today. I hope you've been blessed by this series. I hope that all of us have had our eyes opened up to, to recognize, maybe for the first time, Maybe it was a reminder of just how incredible God's grace is. We have a reason to have hope. We have a reason to press on to this life with joy and excitement because we know that there's something better. Amen? All right. Love you, church. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.